0: Pleasure to be with you today. I've been in your sanctuary before, and some of your faces I recognize. I'd like to bring greetings from Pilgrim Church up in Bangor, where the saints are praying for us today, here in this place, as well as others. You probably haven't had a report yet from Presbytery. That was Thursday and Friday of this past week. Uh, remarkable testimony to God's providing um, new and mostly young ministers uh, for labors in this area of His kingdom. It was great encouragement to those of us who are uh, on the latter end of our pilgrimage to see God's faithfulness to provide for our congregations. And you, of course, of uh, have a fresh taste of his raising up young and godly men to minister his word. Uh, With Seth Dorman uh, being called to this place. uh, With the likes of Scott as an elder. uh, With Josh. To have men devoted to the Lord first. And then devoted to the Lord with a willingness to spend and be spent for His glory and your welfare. To encourage you, uh, to confront you when challenging things need to be addressed. And there are few challenges uh, greater for a caring and loving minister, for a caring and loving elder than to confront a uh, sheep, a lamb, uh, when they are in or appear to be in error, doctrinally or in practice. I'd like to urge you, before we get into the substance of our consideration of God's Word today, to pray faithfully for your minister and for your elders. Their calling uh, is a challenging one that requires them. To give no ground, give no ground uh, to the waywardness of their own hearts, to the pressures of an unbelieving world, or to the powers of darkness. Uh, They walk with a large target on them. Because as they live, often the congregation lives. Uh, the two Lord's Days today, this morning and uh, next week, we're going to be looking at the subject of prayer. Uh, we're going to be looking at not the we're going to be looking at the context of the Lord's prayer, but considering the arguments in our Lord Jesus' teaching in both the Matthew and Luke accounts to pray and how not to pray. The scripture that we have. Uh, before us for our consideration this morning is Psalm 10 and Scott do I just hit the forward arrow to bring that up not entirely stupid with regard to this but if I make a mistake you'll be patient with me now is that that's not the whole psalm Will it advance through the whole psalm or is it do you think? The next screen will show I'm our this one this week, Yeah, it will. This one will be yeah. So you start there and when you get to the end you hit that next one. We're only seeing this one. Excellent. And this is New King James, I'm guessing, which is what you've got in the She thinks it might be the It what is it? It might be <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, let me just let's just check that real quick. It's one of the challenges of all of us not knowing Greek and Hebrew. Important to remember that those were the languages that God preserved uh, His word forward in, for a variety of reasons, and that every single translation the best translation has its liabilities and then when you multiply translations and potentially have several in any congregation open there are invariably going to be differences in the reading and I don't know that there would be any critical differences here this is is not New King James I can see that Um, I'm going to go ahead and read what's on the screen trusting that there's probably not any significant deviation. I have a New King James open in front of me. That's what you have in your pew. At least the one in front of me in the pew was a New King James. That's what I'll be referring to in my notes. But let's go ahead and read what's in front of us here. Let's ask God's blessing as we read his word. Father, we know that just opening your book, doesn't bring your word into our minds with understanding, into our hearts with an affection, and into our wills with power. And so we look to you and pray to you for your blessing upon your written word. Our desire is that our lives would be transformed by it and made conformable to your Son. And for that, and all that conduces to it, we need you to be owning it in our presence, owning it in our minds, our hearts, our wills, so that our lives will be adorned by it. And we will be made conformable to your Son. In whose name we pray. Amen. Psalmist begins with a question. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked hotly pursue the poor. Let them be caught in the schemes that they have devised. For the wicked boasts of the desires of his soul. And the one greedy for gain curses and renounces the Lord. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high, out of his sight. As for all his foes, he puffs at them. He says in his heart, I shall not be moved. Throughout all generations, I shall not meet adversity. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the villages, in hiding places. He murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him into his net. The helpless are crushed, sink down, and fall. By his might, he says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. Arise, O Lord. O God, lift up your hand. Forget not the afflicted. Why does the wicked renounce God and say in his heart, You will not count. You will not call to account. But you do see, for you note mischief and vexation, that you may take it into your hands. To you the helpless commits himself. You have been the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evildoer. Call his wickedness to account till you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his hand. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that man, who is of the earth, may strike terror no more. Sober reading from God's Word. Let's turn to the New Testament. In the book of Matthew, chapter 6, where we have this reading. Our Lord Jesus speaking to his disciples. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. you'll forgive me if I add here, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. I don't know why they dropped that out of the ESV. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or, What shall we drink? Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Thus, God's word, may He add His blessing to it, as uh, the light from those texts is cast upon our sermon text, which is in Luke 11. <clears throat> Going to read the first four verses. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say, because we've already read it in Matthew. I won't read it here. Our sermon text is the petition, Lord, teach us to pray in verse 1. All of us have had the experience... Of listening to someone pray. It could have been Scott 20 minutes ago. Or it could be our parent at home or around the dinner table or at devotions. And while they were praying, it isn't that we got up and walked out of the sanctuary, but. Our mind did. We've all, even when we've wanted to be attentive, a word, a sound, a memory, something that's going to happen later today comes into our mind and distracts us even just for a few seconds. And we, we lose the train of thought in the prayer and have to be brought back. Sometimes it's with a a sharp conviction of how could I not be paying attention at such an important time as this? What was he praying about? Prone to wander. We also all know What a struggle it can be to come into God's presence privately with a a hungry, in earnest heart to pray to Him, whether we're offering praise or thanksgiving or laying supplications and petitions before Him, but to pray to Him sincerely with our minds and hearts engaged. The petition that the apostles lay before the Lord Jesus here in Luke 11, 1 is actually a request that he teach them to pray. I think that they at least the one, if it was one, or the the group of them that put the petition before him were struggling with prayerlessness. I mean, these, these men were keeping it up with the Lord Jesus who seemed not without fatigue because he did at times have to come apart to rest. But even when he was resting, his disciples usually found him praying after they woke up and I'm sure they wondered at times did he ever go to sleep how do you keep up with that if you're one of the 12 or one of the disciples that traveled with the 12 they had the privilege of hearing prayers that you and I have never read They weren't asleep and were within earshot of the Savior, and He was praying out loud. I suspect that them hearing the fervency, the love to God, the caring, the discernment, they're hearing His prayers. Move them to want to pray like that. And so ought we. I want to encourage you as a sidebar to, when time allows, look for prayers of godly men and women in the Scriptures and meditate on them and ask God to use them as fuel for your own prayer life. They're recorded for our instruction to challenge us and to provide a model for us. Our Lord Jesus will give a model here. Not to be abused as if it were some mystical chant. To be prayed heartlessly. And every prayer, every good prayer, the Lord's prayer, can be prayed in an ungodly way that doesn't honor God, that doesn't reflect the desires of the heart. I was raised in an expression of Christianity that focused on repetition and rote. And it was about the numbers. It, It wasn't about the substance of the prayer. It certainly wasn't about bringing your heart into captivity to what you were praying. But it employed one of the very things that our Lord Jesus was beating down in that Matthew reading not to think you're going to be heard for your many prayers, your many words. They count for nothing with God. A fervent, sincere groan that is interpreted to God by the Spirit of God is a more acceptable prayer than a well-composed but heartless Prayer. Never forget that. And that's why I think some of the best prayers that will be prayed by your assembly will be prayed by children who have the, the, the knowledge, the discernment, but more importantly, the Spirit of God within them who's kindling a love of God, and by the elderly who are too tired to pray long prayers, but who get, are able, by virtue of their wisdom and their infirmity, to get right to the point and to know that, that God knows what moves us to pray. He knows our petitions before we utter them. Don't ever think that you have to explain things to God. You bring your heart desire to Him. Shape that heart's desire as best you're able. And that's good enough. You don't have to labor the point. Three points that this verse teaches us. One is to acknowledge our need for instruction and help to pray. We all need help to actually pray. And most of us need that daily. The second is that acceptable prayer is always to the true and living God. Through the mediation of his son. Who for the apostles. For the disciples. Was standing right in front of them. You and I call upon our father in heaven. Through the mediation of his son. Who is at his right hand. The same Lord Jesus. In glory. The apostles and disciples. Had the privilege of the mediator. The one. Given by God. To stand between heaven and earth was standing right in front of them. What a privilege. Clearly, indwelling sin and their numbness (laughs) didn't help them to appreciate that as much as they ought to have. And I'm sure they repented of that on many occasions, especially after he was gone. What were we thinking? What weren't we thinking? Same is true for us, isn't it? Opportunities lost. The third point is to, with God's blessing, actually pray. The starting point for the apostles, the disciples, and for us is to acknowledge our need for instruction and enablement when it comes to acceptable prayer. A wonderful definition that was um, in large part on the wall from the confession of faith that echoes the answer to the question in both the shorter and larger catechisms, when the question, what is prayer, is asked. And there aren't too many places where both the larger and shorter catechism have the same answer. But when the question is asked, what is prayer, the answer in both is the same. Prayer is an offering up of our desires to God in the name of Christ by the help of the Holy Spirit with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. I encourage you uh, to regularly consult the confession and catechisms. They're not... God's Word. Don't ever confuse them. There aren't any uninspired documents that you can pick up, especially with the Scripture proofs that will be more helpful to you in your growth spiritually. And there's a reason why, I mean, the thickness of this book confession and larger and shorter catechisms would be reduced to about that thickness if it didn't have scripture proofs in it so that's the confession larger and shorter catechism together and that's the scripture proofs if you don't have a copy ten dollars ask Seth or Scott or go to opc.org and get one you really should have one in your home Have I acknowledged my need for grace to pray? Do I continue to acknowledge my need for grace, enablement from God to pray as I ought? And I put that question to you this morning based on our text the question of the apostles Lord, teach us to pray. How is it, you know, for you? I know from myself and from the testimony of God's Word that a devoted child of God will press through distractions and dysfunctions simply out of self-control and devotion the danger is doing it out of step with the spirit or according to past patterns I want to encourage you I mean there's nothing wrong with using the same grace at meals I'm choosing this illustration because I suspect it's common for all of us. We ask God's blessing on our meal and uh, the the, wor- the form maybe we inherited it from our parents, maybe we read it, we heard it, even if you made it up extemporaneously, but then chose chose to use it again and again and again and again and again, and again. You don't have to think about it anymore. The kids don't have to think about it anymore. It's you close your eyes, it happens, and then we get to eat. I want to encourage you to intentionally use different words that express the same desire, the same acknowledgement of God's bounty, his provision. Your thankfulness to him and your desire for his blessing upon your food. That exercise alone, taking on that assignment alone, will help you measurably in the rest of your prayer life. Not to fall, not to be content with rote, pattern but to look for, to discern, what is God doing in my life? Where am I on my pilgrimage? What are the circumstances going on around me? It's going to make you hungry for information. You're going to want to pray uh, for that sister at church who's not well, and it's going to make you wonder how she's doing. Is she better? Is she worse? You're not going to be content to pray the same prayer for her that you prayed last week. You're going to want to know. and It's going to stir up, you see, a love for her, you can you can see the application of that to virtually every other area of life again it's it's not how long you spend in prayer and it's not how many words you use in prayer it's about the dots being connected your heart being connected to god first and foremost lord that's going to be our second point teach us to pray Coming to the Father through the Son, with the enabling assistance of the Holy Spirit, praying to God, but then praying according to His will, not just praying according to the desires of your heart. And that is so liberating. I mean, we're going to bump up against. I don't. You're going to search the Scriptures and wonder how to pray, and Lord, I don't. I can't find any guidance except to ask your blessing. I don't know if you want to heal him or for him to die of this disease, but I can li- I can lift him up and, and leave him with you and ask that you would sanctify this trial for him. That you would use it. Please, be pleased to heal him. You should never be afraid to ask that. Even if... You know, a terminal notification has been sent. God loves to wow human beings. Don't ever pray for something because the, the authorities, the officials say can't happen. It's not in his cards. God loves to wow. And he's looking for men and women, boys and girls, to pray for him, to pray to him with, with requests that only he can answer. We don't want to come to God and, and pray to Him like we're talking to our mom or our dad. We should talk to our mom and our dad. But they can't. I mean, they, they can do a lot for us, but they can't do what God can do. You know, you don't have to go to your, your minister and ask him to pray. You can, and he will. He's a godly man. You have the privilege of going to God. With the desires, with the burdens, with the joys, with the thanksgivings of your heart. And to pray. Hopefully in ways that are honoring to him. That reflect truth uh, in your own heart. That's why acknowledging our sin is an important part of the formula. Don't pretend to be someone you're not. Stand in front of the mirror and guys suck their guts in. Look pretty good today. Till you exhale and relax those abdominal muscles. God sees us as we really are. We can and we what a comfort that we don't have to pretend. We can be honest. We should be honest. We honor Him by being honest when we pray. So under that first point, it's acknowledging our need and being honest with God. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach me to pray. The second point is from this text is they're addressing uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the only one given to mediate between God and man, and that's where you and I have to go. We are absolutely dependent upon God in order for us to pray, in order for me to pray, in order for you to pray and just one acceptable prayer never mind a lifetime of acceptable prayers, we're dependent on God for that it's not, acceptable prayer isn't something you and I can do by ourselves that's why when you hear from the pulpit when you when you hear uh, as you're reading scripture that God is with you, God is in you, God is enabling you, God is stirring you up. Uh, So many of the benedictions, so many of Paul's exhortations concern this, and it was his comfort, it was his hope, it was his assurance for the men and women, the boys and girls that he was writing to, that they are God's workmanship. God's working in them. They're not making themselves into Christians. They're not making themselves into the children of God. can't go there by being born of a human being. You have to be born from God. You have to have the Spirit of God. Having the Spirit of God, it's going to happen irresistibly. Slower in those who really don't care. But you're still His workmanship. Faster in those who are hungry, and those who do care. And that's why, in the, the order of the household of God, you know, some bear fruit a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. It isn't that they're, they're all bearing fruit, but fruit-bearing, like prayer, has a lot to do with heart desire. Do you want to be a mover and a shaker in the kingdom of God? Not so that you can have the praise of men, wrong motive there, but so that God will be pleased with your hunger and thirst, your love to Him, your service to His house. You pray to God in Jesus' name. You go to the Father, acknowledging your sin. Calling upon the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus with a full dependence upon Him for enablement. We pray to the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit or our prayers don't go anywhere. Our prayers will broaden in their depth Their significance, as we are more and more acquainted with his word, will have more and more discernment as to how to pray, what to pray for. Clearly, there are multitudes of men and women praying today whose prayers don't go anywhere. Multitudes of them probably in Protestant churches. Some of them even in OPC churches. Because of their indifference towards his word, uh, because of a desire for the creature more than the creator, that's a huge problem and it can be for us too. You'll, You'll encounter that test every time you choose to pray for someone you love who's not well or is anticipating some major intersection in their life. Are you praying this because you love them first and foremost, or are you praying this because you love God first and foremost? I'm just applying that test, who do I love the most? My mom, or Almighty God? My child, or Almighty God? It's huge, a huge help. It centers us, brings balance, perspective to our prayer life. The third point is to actually find ourselves praying. How to pray and what to pray are points. But actually praying in a way that's acceptable to God is the objective here. To pray without ceasing. Thankfully that doesn't, that isn't what it sounds like. Otherwise, we'd all be in monasteries grudging, having to stop for meals. The point of that text is to pray to live with a constant state of dependence upon God. Like Nehemiah, who, when he's going up to the king with the cup, he, he offers an, ex, an extemporaneous, an ejaculatory prayer. Lord, be with me. His disposition, you see, was one of dependence upon God. Lord, lead me. Help me to play my part well. And that, that constant sense of the sovereign, the living God being my God and ordering my steps will keep us in a posture of prayerfulness. It'll help us at intersections of temptation to turn away can fire up a prayer to God help me Lord not to be seduced by this temptation not to follow the influence of indwelling sin in my own heart or the example of my friend even if he's a Christian just having Christian friends doesn't mean that your Christian friends aren't going to lead you into ungodly behavior or that you won't lead them into ungodly behavior and the powers of darkness are all about derailing you're keeping in step with God. Thankfully, they're blind to the decree, like unbelievers. Their doom is sure. And that was part of what we saw in Psalm 10. It was part of the point of that Old Testament reading today. Are unbelievers active in the world? Yes. Do they have a mission? Yes. Are they, are, there, are there enemies of God numbered within the visible church? Yes. These note, Take note. In Psalm 10, he was talking about Israelites who were evil, who used the covenant name of God, doesn't see me. He's too busy elsewhere to preoccupy himself with prosecuting my offenses. Same thing goes on in the visible church. we would be engaged in behavior like that if the Spirit of God didn't restrain us. And if you don't think that you're capable of committing every sin in the book, save one, you don't know your own heart well enough. There's only one sin the child of God can't commit. Can't, isn't able to commit. We are capable of committing all the rest as the children of God not without great remorse, not without great conviction, not without having to repent. And that's why, you know, when you open God's book and you see the sinfulness, and we're tempted to say the stupidity, of the sinfulness of men, like David, like Peter, the apostle, committing sins that were, I mean, what skin did they have in that game? David's already married to all the beautiful women in the kingdom. Why does he have to kill Uriah to get one more and then lie about it? Peter is the rock. Why does he cave in to, I mean, a few hours before, Lord, I'll die with you. And he caves in to somebody just asking if he's a disciple. No, I don't know that guy. It's written for our instruction, beloved. Never think you are such a strong Christian that you can't commit, you can't be drawn in, maybe hoodwinked, sideswiped, hit from the rear, and knocked into grievous sin we will all have to repent of sins committed this day before we go to bed tonight many unintentional we need to be comfortable with acknowledging our sin and not so surprised that we have sinned when we do that we aren't quick to repent it's why god sent his son the Lord Jesus, into the world to save us from our sins. If you weren't a sinner, you wouldn't have Jesus as your Savior. You are a sinner. I so appreciated Scott's illustration for self. You know, that when the believer is shielded, he's covered, he's washed. The child of God. By the blood of Christ. And it is beyond our understanding how God can look at me, how God can look at you and see his son, see righteousness. A day is coming, and it's not that far off for any of us, even the youngest, when by a trumpet blast and our Savior's appearing, And are being translated into his presence, or by death, we will find ourselves in a place where sin cannot follow. And for all the children of God, by the time the trumpet does blow, our glorified bodies are reunited with our spirits, we will be in God's presence with the Lord Jesus, with the Lord Jesus in glory and like the Lord Jesus. We can't know to any great extent, experientially, what that means. But that's that's what we live for, that's what we die for, that's what we look forward to. And that's why we pray, even when we've got the best things right in front of us, we can still pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come today. There isn't anything on your calendar better than that, near or far. Nothing. Think of your best memory and then put it 48 hours ahead of you. If you could relive that again, not better than the Lord Jesus coming and arresting this whole space-time story and taking us to glory with Himself. Eye has not seen. Ear has not heard. Nor has it entered into the wildest imagination of man's heart. What God has in store for those he loves. It is off the chart. Good. So. This text challenges each of us who profess to be gods, to acknowledge our dependence upon Him, our need for instruction, and our need for grace to actually pray in a way that's acceptable to God. It teaches us that the Lord Jesus is the only mediator, the only one who can bring our petitions to the Father. And it teaches us that knowing these things isn't enough. We actually should pray regularly the scripture uses continuously that it shouldn't just be it should be when we are falling asleep at night it should be first thing when we get up in the morning but then all the space and time in between and if it were possible even in our dreams wouldn't that be wonderful if all of our dreams and the nightmare scenarios especially we found ourselves praying And woke up to that. May God add his blessing to our consideration of his word. And give us opportunity to find its application in our lives today and throughout the coming week. Look forward to being with you next week when we'll be considering how not to pray. What our Lord's instruction is concerning that. And we'll be in the Gospel of Matthew for that there. Let's pray. Father, I thank you again for these men and women, these boys and girls, and pray that your word uh, would uh, find its mark in each of our hearts, illuminating our minds, inflaming our hearts, empowering our wills, transforming our lives. Stir us up to pray continuously, to be in a posture of prayer. To pray with advantage of seeing your Son at your right hand, never wearied by interceding on our behalf, mediating grace and the Holy Spirit, but given by the Father and the Son, to lead us, to keep us in step with your revealed will enabling us to play our part well as your sovereign decree unfolds. We offer you fresh praise and thanks with these petitions and commit ourselves afresh to you, cheerfully, comfortably. We do so in our Savior's name. Amen.